0: First Person Advisors is now a subsidiary of NFP, the fifth largest insurance broker in the world, combining local expertise with access to global capabilities and solutions. Learn more at FirstPersonAdvisors.com. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Casey's Top 40. I'm Casey Kasem. channel the mind vendors from their game of love hit to this one. KF2. Then by Los
1: Angeles, KRLA proudly presents the Bob Eubank Show on
0: the radio of K-R-L-A. Casey, Wink, Bob, West Coast radio legends who caught the year of another Bob growing up in L.A. in the 60s.
1: This is the Bob and Tom Show. Hello. He's Bob, I'm Bob, and he's Tom, and I'm Tom. In Indiana,
0: the names Bob and Tom mean one thing, radio. The unmistakable voice, the contagious laugh, the L.A. Dodgers hat. We're setting sail this week on the Business and Beyond podcast with radio legend Bob Kavoyan. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Robert James, Bob Kavoyan, never dreamed he'd wind up making a living sitting behind a radio mic, making people laugh. But he did just that for more than three decades. Bob grew up in Los Angeles. Dad Toby worked for the Dodgers. Mom, Jean, worked in education. Kavoyan graduated in 1973 from Cal State Long Beach pursued a master's degree, but gave it up when he started working as an intern for a radio station in LA. He got his first professional gig at WMBN in Petoskey, Michigan. It didn't pay much, so he moonlighted as a bartender, which is where Bob met Tom Griswold, the beginning of a radio partnership that would last more than 30 years, turning Bob and Tom into household names from coast to coast. And eventually launching them into the National Radio Hall of Fame. And I'm very pleased to be joined on the business and Beyond podcast this week by Bob Cavoy. And Bob, thanks for joining me., uh, how are you?
1: I'm fine. Thanks very much, Gary.
0: yeah, yeah, great to uh, great to catch up uh, with you. Hard to believe that it's been more than six years, I guess now since you retired, I guess, full-time retired. You've been back on, I think, guest hosting a few times and things. But, uh, but you're not letting any grass grow under your feet. You're you and your wife, Becky, you do a lot of
1: traveling, right? Oh yeah. That was, uh, one of the reasons we decided to, I guess, call, call the radio career over. Uh, so we could actually live a little bit before old age sets in. So, uh, <laughs> we've, uh, uh, we've purchased a, uh, Airstream trailer and, uh, we haul that thing around the country. We've been to 46 of the 48 contiguous and uh, in this short time. So we're having the time of our lives, actually. So, so what are the two states you have yet to to, to be? Uh, South Dakota and uh, Minnesota. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm sure you'll knock those off before too two. Yes, longer. indeed. That's uh, probably on the schedule for the uh, spring or fall of 2023. Very good.
0: Well, you know, you, you got the Airstream and those, you know, Airstreamers are, are really passionate people. It sounds like you uh, would be among that that group. How did you get into the whole Airstream thing and and
1: and taking these trips? That was my wife's call. I mean, uh, she uh, she loves the whole design of the Airstream. So, uh, and once you get into one of these things, you realize, wow, these are these are pretty fancy things. So, it was a good choice, and uh, it's a good traveling
0: companion. Favorite trip, your favorite destination? Uh, you've been obviously a
1: lot of places. Any, uh, any place? So far, uh, so far, Valley of the Gods, Utah. A uh, wide open place that is one of the most beautiful uh, areas I've ever been to. And we uh, boondock a little bit, where we go off the grid and camp under the stars. And it was one of the more beautiful uh, places I'd ever been.
0: Oh, that's very cool.
1: Very cool. So uh,
0: do you ever miss radio I mean, I'm, I'm sure people ask that a lot but after doing it for so long and it's
1: such a high level do you ever miss it uh, I missed it I guess the first couple of years uh at, in retirement I, it's hard to let something go that you've been doing for so long uh but now it's uh I have a whole new life and uh, I don't uh, I don't miss waking up early I I, I was going to ask you that because that's oh.
0: that's a whole routine in and of itself you don't miss that you don't get up early anymore
1: no, no, I do not. It's uh, uh, we, now we stay up late, watch a couple of shows that we're into, and get up when our dog tells us to.
0: <laughs> well, you had a, a mic drop moment, I would say, announcing your retirement. I think it was at the end of 2015 after you were inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. That had to be, and congratulations, by the way, but that had to be uh, a, really a cool
1: moment. Uh, it was. I think I took a few folks by surprise. But uh, we'd been talking about it, and we thought, well, this is probably the best time to to do it while, while everybody would be listening. So yeah. uh, it was, uh, and I'm glad I did it then. It was uh, a memorable evening, uh, you know, being inducted to the Hall of Fame and then saying you're walking away is pretty incredible. As I told them uh, that evening, I said, I thought you had to be dead or <laughs> retired for five years before you were considered for any Hall of Fame. But uh, that is not the case in radio.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Bob, I was thinking about just before doing the podcast here. I, I, I think I deserve some um, uh, credit for that induction because I, I, I think you know, at Channel Six, you had Gary Dick and Norman Cox, so we gave you some material. I think back, back in the day.
1: <laughs> yes, you did, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think we made you household names. <laughs> Standing. Oh yeah, that, that, that is good. Um,
0: you know, a career that began or, or that ended, I should say in the hall of fame began as I understand it really by accident. You got into radio kind of, kind of on accident.
1: Uh, total fluke. I was working, uh, with a group called the young Americans. They did summer stock in Petoskey, Michigan. And I did that for four years, just, uh, go, going there every summer and doing uh, shows. And I was on the technical crew. And uh, I loved, I just fell in love with the place and said, I, I'm staying here, so I better find work. And the first place I looked was uh, WMBN in uh, Petoskey, Michigan. I walked in and I said, do you need anyone to spin records for your DJs? I said, yeah. I'm uh, pretty good technically. And the guy goes, no, all of our DJs do that themselves. Would you be interested in being a DJ? And I said, well, sure, what do I have to do? And he, um, Gary uh, Burlington was his name, or, I'm sorry, Gary Buffington. Gary said, uh, take this Associated Press uh, news into the uh, production room, read it, and give me the tape and I'll give you a hauler tomorrow. And I did that and he called me the next day and said, uh, you wanna start working? I said, yes. And wow. I did uh, four to midnight, <laughs> the, uh, long a long eight-hour stretch I
0: was gonna say that's a long ship
1: yeah yeah, yeah it is uh, things got uh, shorter as the career got longer so <laughs> but uh, that's where I, I started there and then uh, I met uh, Tom a year later when I was tending bar in the evening yeah and, and, and uh, hey
0: Bob talk about, for those who haven't been to Petoskey it is a it's a beautiful part of the country, isn't it? Describe oh, Petoskey,
1: Petoskey Harbor Springs, uh, right there on Traverse Bay. It's one of the most beautiful areas in in the country, and I just fell in love with it. And it uh, it it really is God's country up there. It's yeah, it's just- yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned you Tom uh, was up there, and again, that, that you know how you guys got together and this whole thing came together. I think is it a, is an amazing story. How did you meet Tom, and
1: what was he doing in Petoskey? Uh, well, his, uh, his parents had a uh, summer cottage there. So Tom was visiting his uh, folks that summer, and uh, I was tending bar, he had come in for a drink after a Jay Giles concert at a place called Castle Farms, and he ordered a CC and ginger ale. <laughs> I remember that very well, and uh, ended up just starting talking radio, which came out. It was just weird. Uh, And the next thing you know, he goes, uh, can I come to the station, look at the trades? I'm looking for work. And uh, I said, sure, come on. you come by tomorrow. I I get in there at 10. Uh, He came in at 10. He saw my uh, owner, general manager at 11. And by noon, he was my new program director. Really? Wow. That was fast. (laughs) It was very fast. And uh, we became uh, very good friends and roommates, and then broadcast partners in a matter of uh, a year. Was it you know
0: people talk so much about chemistry and that kind of? Thing. Did you guys just kind of hit it off or click
1: instantly? I think so. It was kind of a, a very quick friendship, and uh, being roommates, we got to know each other pretty well. Uh, you got to know the guy's quirks, well, what he what he was like. You know, as a roommate, so it it, uh, it did click pretty quick. Yeah,
0: you guys on the air up there doing a little little research, you were massively successful. You pulled some really huge numbers, right?
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, we actually had, I think, a uh, twelve plus forty four share wow. in our morning shift. Wow! We were getting all the advertising dollars. And our competitors made tapes of us, sent the tapes out to uh, radio conventions, trying to get us hired out of the market. And it (laughs) worked. That's how we ended up in Indianapolis. Yeah. So uh, someone got a hold of our tape. It got to a convention in Miami, and they played it for a bunch of program directors around the country. And we started getting phone calls, and we had no idea how they heard about us. And we were somewhat stunned next thing you know, we're going different States for interviews and Indianapolis turned out to be, uh, the best choice. But why, why Indy? What, what, uh, what made you you know, land on Indy? Uh, I think, uh, the personnel that, uh, we talked with, they were wonderful people. Uh, Denny Rossman was our, uh, general manager at the time, great guy. And he kind of, uh, I just guided us in and it worked out and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we uh, we we found India to be a home. Yeah, and what year was that? Was that eighty four? Eighty three. Eighty three. Oh, went on the air uh, March seventh, nineteen eighty three. So you you know, literally, I
0: think it was a year later, right, that the Colts came to town.
1: Yes, it was kind of a uh, an interesting chemistry that we were uh, kind of the new guys in town. Then the Colts came in; they were the new kids in town. Yeah. And they, their practice facility happened to be right down the street from the radio station, which was an old, I think it was old Fall Creek it, elementary, old school. elementary School, right? Yeah. So that was their, uh, and, uh, that was their practice facility. And next, you know, we have Colts coming in and out of the radio station. Jimmy Ursay became a huge fan and, uh, it, uh, it just, everything clicked. And the next thing you know, our career started taking off. The Colts, uh, became hometown heroes hated in Baltimore, but loved here. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, I guess it was kind of a marriage uh, made in Indy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. What, uh, what was it, Bob, about, because you were for sure, because I remember it very well, must listen radio. I mean, without, without question, what were, what were the things that came together? You talked about that relationship with the Colts and how that, you know, kind of played out, but, but in terms of the, Cast of characters, the characters, the the great bits you guys put together. How how did it all
1: kind of come together? Well, the, Tom and I had been doing bits when we were in Petoskey, and then uh, when we got here, a uh, just a, a, a wide variety of talent came looking for us. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We weren't out looking for guys to be, you know, Haji or yeah. or Dick Nixon. Yeah. Uh, they all came to us and. It just evolved into uh, radio chaos. It was an absolute blast. We all learned together. We all we were a little fraternity, yeah, uh, of laughter. You mentioned Haji Dick Nixon.
0: You have gone down the list. Did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite character?
1: I always loved uh, Jay Baker's Dick Nixon uh, because <laughs> it didn't sound like Dick Nixon, which is. <laughs> <laughs> Half the fun I uh, I I've loved uh, all of the uh, all of the people that helped us uh, some continue to work some have gone different paths and uh, it's uh it's an interesting medium to yeah uh, as you say uh, we would always mention don't break the the wall uh, <laughs> keep the uh, keep the people guessing that's why I wasn't really a big fan of when uh, TV cameras came into the studio at yeah they kind of Kind of uh disrupted i was interested uh,
0: about that yeah. did you did you feel it kind of kind of took away a little bit maybe? yeah
1: i think it did because uh you know people have this imagination of what it looks like in there and then when you see what it is you're going well that's it's kind of boring yeah but uh it is what it is a lot of people do it now but i am still one of those i love the the radio and the magic of radio and you can create a scene uh, and let them, let them make it all happen in their brain.
0: Yeah. How, I, one thing that always amazed me uh, about you guys is um, because it's one thing to be funny for, you know, a week or a month or, a year. I mean, you, you've got to continue to, to, keep, to stay relevant, to be funny. How, how did you
1: do that? I mean. It, well, the, uh, the best part about it is you're doing it with four or five friends that you enjoy hanging out with and the ultimate goal is to make the other person laugh uh tom and i would never write stuff together i would write with uh, my buddy Witt grayson uh or and tom would write with his uh, his uh, guy ricky rydell and we'd create these things and then as it was presented on air either i had not heard it before or tom had not heard it before this way you get the absolute genuine laugh yeah and a genuine laugh. Transmits much better than a, a lap that's that's fake. Yeah, so it was almost a competition. You you want to make absolutely you to to get the other oh very much so. It's like I am I know I'm Tom's going to just piss himself when he hears this, <laughs> and that's that's what that's what you dream of. And Tom, same thing. He would sit there hoping to get the genuine laugh, and that I think that was part of our success. Instead of us sitting down and writing everything together, we did it separately and it uh i think it paid off. Yeah. Such a such a big
0: hit here in Indianapolis and ultimately uh you syndicated uh, around the country i think in the yep. mid 90s maybe
1: 95 started 95 yeah we got up to uh like 150 affiliates. Wow. We were riding on top of the wave.
0: Yeah. You know? What what was that that like? Uh as you got more and more stations on board and uh, you really became a a dynamo.
1: The uh for us it wasn't any different. We were still the the core four inside the studio, looking at each other, not realizing who's listening or where they're they're listening. Well, that happened one morning we were doing a giveaway. We're giving a car away and we had a bunch of entries and all the entries were thrown into the trunk of the car. And we were gonna drive around all morning when the car ran out of gas, pop the trunk, pull out a winner's name. Well, it turned out we were, uh, we were on 465, getting ready to get on to 70. And it was still a little dark. And we said, hey, if you're listening to the show, blink your lights. And the whole freeway started blinking lights. And it's like we were somewhat stunned. We had no idea that oh many people were listening to us. Yeah, And that was the morning that uh, we ended up going over the speedway, found or Jr. He pushed us out of the front seat of the car, took over the wheel got onto the speedway, Oh my gosh. us for two hot laps and a Mercury. Ah, you are get, kidding me. No. And we're broadcasting the whole time. And we get flagged down by a yellow shirt. They're ready to throw us, uh, honest to God, into jail. <laughs> and little Al rolls down the window. He goes, hey, guys. And the guy goes, Al, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just taking Bob and Tom for a spin. He we so well, have a good day. And off we went. There at the time there was a uh stake and shake across from the the racetrack. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. As soon as we pulled out of there, we got ran out of gas just at that stake and shake. It would have been ideal had we run out of gas on the free on the speedways, <laughs> yes, straight away. Yeah, that would have made news, but uh, wow. yeah, we put a winner out and that was a, a morning I won't forget. That is a great story. How would you assess? You talk about the.
0: the- C- creativity, the the imagination that uh, is part of the magic of radio. does that still exist in radio today with all the changes we've seen?
1: Um, how would you assess the state of radio today? I think so. You don't have as many to choose from, uh, and that's another thing about young talent coming up. Uh, it's hard to start in a small local radio station and build your dreams uh, to uh, we were lucky enough to be ahead of that curve, but a lot of automation has come to play and it's uh it's in my opinion hurting the radio personality Mm -hmm. yeah 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 we're going to have much
0: more with bob kavoid in when we return including growing up in california the la dodgers cap and the team he really roots for but then much more when we return on the business and beyond podcast First Person Advisors is now a subsidiary of National Financial Partners, the fifth largest insurance broker and consultant in the world. Develop your total reward strategies all in one place with the combination of First Person's local expertise and NFP's global resources and integrated solutions. Learn more at firstpersonadvisors.com. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC my guest this week radio legend bob kavoyan and bob uh, uh you are a california native grew up grew up or in uh, southern california la right
1: yes a uh, suburb norwalk california and uh lived there all, all of my life what what was uh what was your your younger years what was growing up in in california like for bob uh well it was sunny uh, <laughs> and we got to ride new bikes on Christmas Day, unlike yep. a lot of other people. But uh, aside from that, it, it was, I guess, a typical childhood. I had uh, two brothers, a sister. Grew up in suburbia, and, and I guess discovered our talents as we uh, got to high school. Did you? Uh, what were you um, musically oriented? Sports? What'd you? What'd you I do? Did a little and- of both. I was. Uh, I played love sports, and I uh, broke a sternum uh, once and, uh, took, uh, took my sports career away for the, wow. Yeah. The most how'd part do, how'd that happen? Career. Uh, screwing around jumping off cliffs at Carlsbad state beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a story. You don't, you really don't need to not want to uh, hear. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. And, then, uh, and then I, uh, uh, during my, uh, I guess injury, I taught myself to play guitar and I, uh, Played guitar and sang. So you've and, and you're, you're you love to play guitar, right? You've been. Oh yeah, there. I'm now. i I've, I've kind of transitioned to the ukulele. It's much lighter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So yeah, co- college was Cal State Long Beach, right? Is yeah. that, is that Long Beach State?
1: Yeah, it's Long Beach State. It's you know everyone's oh, it's California State at Long Beach. Or it's you know University Long Beach of State. California, um, Los Angeles.
0: Okay, the one thing I remember. A Long Beach State Are they the were they the 49ers? 49ers. Uh-huh. And there was a guy when I was in I think it was in college, Ed Ratliff was a uh-huh. basketball player for Long Beach State. That's the only thing I can remember about Long Beach State. You Spielberg also. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. What'd
1: you study? What'd you what'd you think you wanted theater, to, to be theater, when you grew up? Theater. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know the memorize lines, um, know how to do a production. Uh, in front of the stage, behind the stage, uh, on the stage, stuff like that. But uh, and I think that helped prep, prep for a, I guess, theater of the mind and radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had no, at, the, at least at that time, no real. No, design. in fact, I think uh, the the thing you mentioned about a, a masters and something uh, that I think that's been made up on Wikipedia. I don't know where that <laughs> is came that right. From. Yeah, I never interned. I never stepped inside of a radio station until I got to Petoskey. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I never interned in Los Angeles at all. So that uh, that's the thing about Wikipedia. A lot of it's true and then a lot of it isn't. Some of it, maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: did you have, uh, everybody has mentored. Do you have people you can consider mentors or favorite teachers or people who really made an impact on your life in those earlier years?
1: I had an English teacher, Lloyd Mediet was his name, and uh, he was a sophomore English. And he was one of those guys that I I don't know. I just thought he was uh, brilliant. He was funny, uh, enjoyed attending his class. And he'd made uh, learning fun, even though my English isn't that good. But uh, then uh, Jan Britton, who was a drama teacher, she was a great gal. And I guess... um, I guess my dad. He was a good. Yeah. Guy. Did he work? He worked for the Dodgers. He did. Yeah. Uh, was uh, started out in 1958 when the Dodgers moved to Los Angeles. They played at the L.A. Coliseum for four seasons. Yep. And my dad worked for an electronics firm across the street from the Coliseum. And uh, they were looking for ushers, and he decided to moonlight as an usher. And um, he got the gig. I I got to go to baseball games and. Hang out. It was a lot of fun. And then when Dodger Stadium opened in 62, he uh, got promoted into, uh, I guess, uh, in charge of the ticket takers. And then I think uh, later in 70, he was put in charge of ticket takers and ushers and a bunch of others. Uh, So he was considered management. And in 1981, when the Dodgers won the series, they presented him with a World Series ring. Oh, wow. Pretty darn cool.
0: Very cool. Well, obviously that, that answers the connection to the Dodgers hat, which
1: you are wearing as we, as we speak. Yes. Uh, so you
0: love the Dodgers, but you really, are you really a, a
1: Reds fan? Is that? I am also a Reds fan. Yeah. I've uh, uh, And that I blame on Johnny Bench and Marty Brenneman. So uh, it turns out that Johnny Bench was the biggest Bob and Tom fan on the face of the earth. Really? Yeah. I would go out to, we'd gone out to dinner with them once and he, Uh, word for word quoted at least 10 bits that we had done. And honest to God, he got every word. Perfect. And he's one of those. That had to be, that had to, that had make you feel pretty good. It made me feel pretty good. uh, the first time I met Johnny was via the phone. He called and asked if I wanted to go with him to Scotland to play golf. And I thought it was a joke because I didn't, I mean, why would Johnny bench call me? So Next thing you know, uh, my wife, Becky, and I on our way to Scotland to play at Turnberry with Johnny Bench and Marty Brenneman and speed skater Dan Jansen and 16 other other people who'd paid to go on the trip. And uh, uh, I'll clean this up. I uh, told Johnny I had not met him face to face. And when I walked up to him, I said, Johnny Bench, I want you to know this is the first time I've ever uttered your name without the word screw in front of it. (laughs) I mean, he was the the biggest (laughs) rival, the Dodgers. I mean, he was he was hated by Dodgers. uh, Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The big red machine uh, crushed our dreams a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, So we became very, very fast friends. Becky and I were celebrating New Year's Eve one more or New Year's morning, watching the Rose Parade. And Oklahoma was in the uh, Rose Bowl that year. And out comes the uh, Oklahoma float in the parade. And there's Johnny Bench sitting on the float waving. I said, Becky, look, it's Johnny. Let's call him and wish him Happy New Year. So I figure I'm going to call, leave a message. He answers the phone. He's on wow. Wow. While he's on the float on television, he's talking to me and Becky waving happy New Year, Bobby. Happy New Year Becky <laughs> oh, this whole time. He's riding on the float. I, and that uh, was a, a very memorable moment from bet uh, it was. yeah, baseball Hall of famer.
0: yeah, yeah, and, and Marty Brennan, I think you're good friends with him as yeah, well. yeah,
1: we' we're, we're very, very good friends. and uh, in fact we're uh, we're gonna meet up with him when we uh, get out to Arizona. Uh, he's a good man. He's a, he's a wild man. And, uh, and I, I'm proud to call him friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, one thing I
0: want to ask you about too, uh, because one thing that I was always so impressed me about you and, and Tom is that you really, really did a lot of work for charities, really gave back a lot of time, money, effort uh, over the years. And everybody does that to an extent, but, but, but you guys really, really are very intentional about that. Where did that that sense of giving back come from.
1: I think it all uh, started with uh, working with you guys on uh, the Jerry Lewis Telethon. Ah. when we first got to town, mm-hmm. they uh, invited Tom and I to help host some of the hours, and with uh, you and your colleagues, and it was um, uh, an eye opener. Yeah, so we decided after all of the years of writing bits and. And recording songs and stuff that, hey, maybe we should put an album together and donate the charity. Our first one was called the Bob and Tom, the White Album. And uh, we were going to give the proceeds to uh, the Humane Society. But we had a bid on there called Burger Pony. And the Humane Society said, well, you have to take that off <laughs> or we can't accept your money. Yeah. So. We looked for a different charity and eventually turned into a a -A Make-A-Wish Foundation, and then a zillion other charities. Yeah, we uh, we gave out millions of dollars to to people all over the state of Indiana, and it's a it's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. As you look back on so many of the people
0: you worked with, uh, uh, characters and others, do you keep in touch with with uh,
1: uh, many of the old team, old crew. Not so much anymore. I see Tom on occasion, but, uh, and Christy on occasion. Yeah. Um, my best friend, Whit Grayson, who was one of the love brothers. He uh, right. wrote a lot for us. Uh, we still get together um, on a weekly basis, have a whiskey and, and uh, either be creative. We started messing around, trying to do a podcast and, you know, by the end of the podcast, you're too drunk to, to <laughs> actually put it up. So. So, yeah, we I still keep in touch with a few, but not many. I mean, we've all uh, kind of gone our own ways. Yeah. And uh, you have uh, new pursuits, uh, new family members. You know, being a grandparent's a lot of fun. How's that? How's that? How do you like being a grandparent? It's fantastic. It's, uh, it's, it's just fantastic.
0: What, what's next? You're doing plenty of stuff, traveling. Is Traveling, is that as you look, uh, you know, down the, the barrel, there's going to be lots more traveling
1: going forward or anything yeah. else you want to check off the list? Hmm. No, we've, uh, we've done a lot, but no, I think uh, we may start the loop again and uh, hit the 48 one more time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and what yeah. you say? You say South Dakota and, and Minnesota and Minnesota, yeah.
0: and you're going to get, get there next year.
1: We'll get that done. Maybe, uh, maybe even this year. I don't know. They still have fall. You don't want to go to Minnesota in the summertime. No.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're a big baseball fan. I know you're going to, try to catch some spring training, not a good year, maybe to catch spring training, but hope, hope springs eternal. you know, eternal. Eh, they'll get you that hope thing solved.
1: The, uh, I hope they do, but, uh, you know, uh, baseball fans, uh, have been through this before and it's very possible. They may not come with the, come up with a deal until, you know, April or may, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that would be sad for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's been
0: a very happy uh, moment for me to share a few moments with you, Bob. Really appreciate uh, and, and respect all you've done, not only in the radio business, but for Indianapolis and for Indiana as well. And thanks again for taking, taking a few minutes to join us on the podcast.
1: Trust me, I have, uh, I'm have i free all day. We can go another three hours if you like. <laughs> okay. okay, I'll give you a call back. We'll do it again. Hey, thanks very much. Bob Thank Kavoyan. you, Gary. Yeah, you
0: bet. Bob and radio legend. Uh, here in Indiana and beyond. My guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. It is a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can check all of the past episodes of the Business and Beyond podcast at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. You can click on the subscribe tab. This is Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.